Welcome to the Northeast Newscast. This is your host, Paul Thompson, Managing Editor over at the Northeast News. This week, we'll be talking to Mid-America Regional Council Director of Transportation and Environment, Ron Acklepool. We'll be talking to Ron about the Buck O'Neill Bridge, which you may have seen on the news of late. The issue? A roughly $50 million proposal by the Missouri Department of Transportation to rehabilitate the bridge. The catch? The bridge would have to be closed for roughly two years while the project is completed. Kansas City, Missouri Mayor Sly James calls that the least acceptable option. The Mid-America Regional Council, and Ron by association, are working to find a solution to this problem. That solution isn't expected to come easily. The Buck O'Neill Bridge is a state-owned asset, and the city of Kansas City recently passed $800 million in general obligation bonds. Some city council members are saying they won't support any plan that uses general obligation funds. Meanwhile, some are pushing to build an entirely new bridge, one that could cost $150 million or more. So where's the money coming from? Is there a compromise to be reached? That's exactly what we talked to Ron about today on the podcast. After the discussion about the Buck O'Neill Bridge, we'll also talk about MoDOT funding and how to raise dollars for crucial infrastructure projects in Missouri, how real the Kansas City to St. Louis Hyperloop is, and future Mid-America Regional Council priorities in the historic Northeast. Without further ado, our conversation with Mark's Ron Acklepool. So it's Paul Thompson sitting here with Ron Acklepool, Director of Transportation at Mark. Did I get that right? You did. Thanks. <laughs> I wanted to start by just t- asking you about the Buck O'Neill Bridge. Now, I believe it's now 61 years old. Is that right? That's, that's about right, yeah. Okay. It was, it was built in the late 50s. Now, how much longer does it have in it without repairs or replacement? Well, that's a really hard question to answer. It's uh, it's beyond its design life. I think when it was originally uh, designed and built, I think the, the city who, who constructed it at the time thought it would probably last about 50 years. Um, MoDOT's recently commissioned a study to look at some of the maintenance needs on the bridge, and, and you know, it's safe, there, but there is a laundry list of things that they uh, need to do to keep it safe and keep it open. And uh, the, the consultant team that looked at that sort has, has said, you know, it's really difficult to predict how much longer the, the bridge will last. It's, got, it's obviously still got life in it, um, right. but, but exactly how long is, is hard to say. Um, and that's kind of, one of the problems, right? That's, you that's you right. can't say for certain, but you can't wait for there to be a critical you, you, failure you know, before you make a change. We, we all know it needs work. Uh, yeah. We all know that it needs uh, some significant repairs to it. The, the study that MoDOT uh, commissioned really pointed out some highlights of, uh, you know, some really specific areas. There's some uh, concerns about scour for uh, one of the bridge piers that goes down into the uh, river channel. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, the, the uh, riverbed is sort of washed away from where the uh, footing is, and so they'd, they'd like to repair that to make it uh, firmer, more stable for the future. There's a lot of uh, a lot of rusted members. The bridge mostly made of steel. It's it's held together with rivets, um, and over time, there's been pack rust that's developed between a lot of the different plates that come together, and that's creating some additional stresses and strains on some of the the members. There's some issues with how the the cables that uh, hold the deck up are are, are connected now. Um, uh, they'd like to get in and re- repair those. They're, they're still fine, but they're vulnerable if uh, there were an accident, for instance, and a car went through and, and hit one of those, it might you know, compromise the structure of that span. So they, wow. there are a number of things they would like to take care of. Um, they, they, uh, you know, they, they don't feel like they can wait forever to, to do it, and so that's why they've 
um, sort of announced to the community that they, they plan on uh, programming some funds to come in in the next uh, couple of years and actually start those kinds of repairs. So it's safe to say that this isn't a politically manufactured dilemma. I mean, this no, is this, this is, is real. No, we've known about the. I mean, the, the bridge has getting, gotten older and older and older. Right. It's had work done on it, but um, I mean, due to MoDOT's funding situation, there's been um, we've been kind of slower to get to it than we probably would have liked. Right. Um, I, we've been talking with MoDOT since uh, at least 2014 about the idea of kind of initiating work to to plan for a either a replacement of the bridge, a companion structure, or this kind of significant overhaul. Um, and and we, we were in, you know, in the process of getting some of those studies started. Uh, MoDOT's funding picture became more bleak, and they, uh, they, they, they stopped that study. And uh, we've just recently picked up a, another kind of companion effort uh, from that to look at some of the longer-term needs in the, in the corridor. But... MoDOT feels like they, do, they, they also want to understand longer-term needs, but they have some shorter-term ones that they need to really uh, pay attention to as well. Right, and I, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the, the grander, greater MoDOT issues and, and some mm-hmm. of those financial struggles that they have. Uh, a little bit later, uh, for, for now, I wanted to ask you about the planning that Mark has done to tackle this issue. Um, I understand that they Mark has been pretty involved. Uh, how much time until an actionable plan can be put together? That was one of the things that, that was talked about last week at City Hall is, mm-hmm. well, we have to do something quick because otherwise MoDOT's going to come in and, and do the two-year shutdown. Now, yeah. how, how close is Mark to kind of coming up with a solution? So we've been uh, working with the city and with MoDOT and also with KDOT and the Unified Government of Kansas City, Kansas, and Wyandotte County on a study that we call Beyond the Loop that's mm-hmm. looking at a broad range of, uh, of transportation issues on the U.S. 169 corridor that includes the Buck O'Neill Bridge, as well as the I-70 um, corridor from where it connects with I-670 over on the Kansas side to where it connects back to 670 on the on the Missouri side. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've uh, actually been working since just before the beginning of the year on that study. Um, it's this is called a planning and environmental linkages study, and it's kind of a new type of planning product, and uh, let me take a step way back, mm-hmm. um, we, we do these kinds of studies with the uh, assumption that these kinds of major projects are going to require some federal funding to support them. And right. so uh, if, you, if you use federal funds on a transportation project, it subjects you to a lot of different rules and regulations that you need to pay close attention to so you don't mess up and, uh, and jeopardize your ability to use, use federal funds in the future. Right. So, so this study is a... Is a um, initial planning study that would then lead to some more detailed environmental review. Uh, what we're doing in the in the study right now is identifying kind of the key problems in the in the corridor, which includes you know the the condition of this bridge is 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 one of th- those issues. In addition to some of the congestion, congestion that's operational issues, the fact that um, you know the 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 bridge itself and and even the I seventy corridor acts as a barrier to uh, bicycle and pedestrian traffic. There's really no safe way to get across the bridge on foot or on a bike. Right. Um, I-70 through the downtown uh, part of Kansas City, Missouri, kind of bisects the central business district from the river market, and, and the city in particular was very interested in looking at ways to improve uh, access across I-70. And so we'll be looking at some options there. 
Um, on the on the Kansas side, uh, KDOT has done some work with with Unified Government to look at the Lewis and Clark Viaduct and and the way that it connects with downtown KCK and with the Fairfax District and the and the West Bottoms. Um, we're we're interested in how that connects into the into the other things that we're looking at on the Missouri side of the study area. Uh, but what we're going to do with this study is identify this problem statement, identify a range of alternatives that we'll evaluate in terms of how they uh, you know, improve transportation, economic development, safety, a lot of these, these issues that are in the problem statement, and then narrow down to a handful of you know, five, five or six different uh, alternatives that we can take through the environmental review process more efficiently. Well, so so that's, that's really the next step after this study would be to do some in, detailed environmental review. I think uh, Councilman Wagner brought that up during yeah. the discussion last week as something, hey, we need to do something on our end within the next few weeks even yeah. to, to make sure that everything stays on track and well, I, that I, we're I, not jumping ahead of where MoDOT stands yeah. on this stuff. I think what the, what the councilman was, was referring to was they, they, in order for MoDOT to um, feel like they you know feel any comfort about doing something different than this rehab plan that they've come up with. They, mm-hmm. need, a, they need a sense that there's some uh, you know, legitimate funding available to do something else, to do right. a replacement bridge. And at this point, that hasn't been identified anywhere. No. It hasn't materialized, right? That's right. The state doesn't have the money to do it. The city doesn't have the money to do it yet. There are, there are places to look. There's a plan we can put together. Um, and I think that's really the focus of the, of the uh, resolution that... Uh, Councilman Wagner's introduced that uh, would would direct the manager to look at just to get the ball days. rolling on get some the research. Ball rolling, see what's what's feasible. There are some you know there's some federal funds that are still available in Washington. Uh, there are a couple of programs through the Fast Act that that the this, that the, the city or state or both could look at. Um, the city has access to some other other funding sources as well. I think the. Um, the timing of this with the uh, geo bond issue is really un- unfortunate, but I, you know, a, a number of the council folks have made it clear they've got real concerns about using any of that funding to do this type of a project, and so doesn't sound like that will be very popular. Not at all, and uh, and so there is that something that Mark would endorse, or you would endorse? Well, um, so Mark's an association of local governments. We don't really take um, positions on kind of local initiatives right. like the like the geo bond issue. I mean, we recognize that Kansas City, Missouri, has a lot of you know substantial maintenance needs on their own roads and bridges, um, similar to what MoDOT has on the state system. Right, they're all stretched. Yeah, yeah. So we're not. I mean, we're not advocating uh, particularly one one source of funding or another for a, a potential replacement, but we are. We do think it's worth taking the time to see if there are other options than the than just a straight up replacement. I think that the concerns about that are are legitimate. It'll create a long long term closure that'll have some pretty immediate impacts in the in the uh, area. And and do we haven't made a decision as a region that we actually want to live with the bridge we've got for the next fifty years? Right. And I think something will have to give on that one. I mean, it, yeah. you, like you mentioned before, it may may not last another 20 years, much less another 50 years. So, well, so yes. Right. Well, um, in one of the big arguments at that meeting last week, and we'll probably hear the same thing again this week when they reconvene on Thursday, is, well, this is a state-owned asset. This isn't a city-owned <laughs> asset. Why are we on the hook, or why is it our responsibility to pony up 30 40 $50 million or more to 
fix or build a new bridge there where, you know, this is a state-owned asset. I yeah. mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on that argument and, and how do you combat that line of reasoning? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to combat it. I, right. th- I think um, the city's actually not on the hook to, to spend any money on the bridge. It's just right. clear what MoDOT will do with the resources that they have available. And so it's if, if the city decides that that's the way to go, that they can live with the with the bridge as it is repaired as it is uh, for a long time, then they don't have to spend any any local money right. on an on an alternative solution. If they want something else, um, then we've all got to work together to figure out what that how to pay for it and what that looks like. But even if that does happen, wouldn't there have to be some sort of shutdown? I mean, you can't build a brand new bridge without there being construction. Uh, you know, times and delays um, of some sort. I mean, would they, is the idea that they would build it right next to it, yeah. and then so we're not keep really that bridge far, open? We're not really far along enough in right. our process to really be able to say that. But but um, yeah, one of the options we'll certainly be looking at is building a parallel structure that you could you could construct, keep the current one open, and then and then shift traffic over if if, the, if, if we do ultimately decide that the you know Broadway Bridge needs to, or the O'Neill Bridge needs to be closed. Um, so that'd be one option. Um, probably there's an option where you can keep them both open. I mm-hmm. don't know if that's I don't know how feasible either one of those are yet, but mm-hmm. that's another one that, that we could look at. And then the third one is, you know, living with the with the bridge as it is, rolling the, the dice, so to speak. Well, if we live with it as it is, we've got to spend money to, you know, you'd have to do to the re- rehab. Rehab, yeah, right. yeah. That rehab is if we're going to keep that bridge open, it needs work. Right. Okay. Now uh, I had made a note about the Beyond the Loop uh, Pell study. Uh, the language on the website I saw says, it, you know, it's calling for early planning level decisions. Um, I guess, like, frankly speaking, is there enough time to complete that process now that there's been kind of a, a ramped up effort at City Hall to, to get something together and to put together a plan? I think we're still um, still talking that through, but um, we feel like there, there probably is that the Pell still does add some value to the the conversation around the, the bridge, even if we would need an accelerated process. Right. I mean, if we make the assumption that we're going to use federal money on the on the bridge, uh, somehow it can be identified. In, in that case, um, uh, this there's there's a law called the National Environmental Policy Act or NEPA, mm-hmm. and that um, th- those types of studies need to be need to be done to do any kind of significant uh, um, project that'll that'll invest any federal funds in it. So that. Um, by doing the Pell before we do any NEPA work on the bridge, we can probably reduce the amount of of, uh, of work we've got to do in terms of environmental assessment because we'll have fewer options to study and mm-hmm. to really drill down into the in- environmental impacts on because we've screened some out that just wouldn't be. You feasible. can focus on the I guess that's the right. finalists yeah, or that's the right. options that are most amenable. That's right, but I mean the schedule is a really you know it's a it's a tough one. It's a really uh, it's an important issue. It's an important issue to the state and to the city, and uh, you know, there's a lot of needles to thread. And so that's something that we we need to sort out over the next. Uh, Next few weeks, really. Uh, right, uh, yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah, and we've, we've started we're, looking we're at that. We're all on the clock, right? That's right. We've started yeah. looking at it. Um, I think we, we are we are hopeful that there are some, some ways we can make this move, but um, there's there's a lot of detail in in, uh, in that decision. Now, I know the Pell study, I think on the website, it shows that it's uh, expected to be done around spring of 2018. It, I guess one, is that most timeline of the, most still? Most of the recommendations will be... Um, kind of ready by the end of this year yeah right. so the spring of 18 was really the finishing up the documentation getting sign-offs by federal highway and the, 
the other other agencies, and we're looking at ways that we can speed that up, right? Um, to kind of get a little bit closer to the city hall timeline. Yeah. So there's this the sixty day. I think that's what you're asking about is the sixty day right. deadline. So that's that's really a decision about you know is there a viable path forward in terms of funding for another structure? It's not to necessarily solve all the questions we've got in the Pell. Right. So I think that's. I mean, they can go on in parallel. Um, and, and they are right now, right. Um, but but yeah, there still will be work we need to do with the community. There's a there's you know two dozen different uh, state and federal agencies that are interested in in uh, how you get across the river, what impacts a, you know, a new crossing might have, um, and and then the the other parts of the study area that we're looking at as well. So there's just there there is a lot of work to do. Right, and if there's going to be new federal funding sources identified, then they're going to come with. Checks and balances and strings attached. Correct. Really speaking, right? I yeah. mean, they're well, it, they're looking to you know fill a goal. Or, yeah, ba- basically, I mean, I keep coming back to this NEPA study, but um, that's a really basic requirement. The federal government can't really authorize any funding or 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 make any you know final decisions about a project that will involve federal funding without this kind of analysis done. And there are different there are different levels of of NEPA studies that that. Um, that could be done, and so we're looking at what the right a- approach to that may be, and, and some of them take longer than others and take more work than others. Okay. So, well, um, you know, I know we're, we're pretty darn early in this process. A, a resolution hasn't even been passed by City That's Hall right. yet, um, but I don't know. Are you close? Are you close enough to the situation at this point that you can say what what your dream transit scenario is for the Buck O'Neill Bridge? Does that exist yet? Um, no, because I mean, this study is the way we figure that right, out, right. really, and it's and it's not just my decision to make. It's sure, the, it's the, it's a community decision, and there are a lot of, um, it, you know, I've, I've talked about the the partners in the in the study. There are we have a lot of other stakeholders that we're talking with as well. Most of the uh, cities north of the river are very very interested in what what happens with the with the uh, bridge here. There are a lot of business groups that are, are very interested in what happens in the study, uh, not just on the bridge, but on the on I-70 as well. And so so there are a lot of folks that we need to engage in the process to really right. make a real decision that'll stick. Right. You mentioned earlier MoDOT, their financial crunch, mm-hmm. uh, and how that affects projects in Kansas City and throughout yeah. this region. Um, what can be done to, I, I guess, inject more funding into MoDOT or, or to create some extra opportunities to uh, apply for federal grants? I mean, yeah. what can be done to kind of alleviate those financial issues? So um, so it's important to understand that transportation projects and, and funding transportation projects is a really complicated mix. So right. there's, um, there are federal funds that we've been using uh, for, for decades in the, in the region. Um, those require action by Congress periodically. We currently do have a, a kind of longer-term transportation bill. It's called the FAST Act, and mm-hmm. it, it provides funding for all the states uh, uh, from the federal government through uh, through the year 2020. There's some questions about how at what level Congress will authorize funding or, or appropriate funding out of the bill, but there is there's a stream of federal funds that are available at least through 2020 right now. Um, but that's... About you know, a little less than a third of the funds that come to the transportation system in the Kansas City area are, are federal funds. Mm-hmm. Um, state funding is also really important um, in, in both Kansas and Missouri. In Missouri, um, most of the funding that the state has available uh, on their own for transportation projects that they also pair up with federal funds in most cases uh, comes from the uh, state motor fuels tax, which 
last time it was raised was in 1992. And, and, and that goes, I mean... It's always going down, isn't it? Because uh, the more interest there are in fuel-efficient vehicles, things like that, it's um, hybrids. So, not exactly. It has ticked back up a little bit. We've okay. seen since the since the Great Recession ended, mm-hmm. we've seen um, driving in the state has increased, and while vehicles are more fuel-efficient, people are driving more, and so uh, recently the state's actually seen some increased revenues from the tax without changing the, the level of it. So just be, because people are driving more and buying more fuel, um, it, there's been a slight growth, but it has not kept up with uh, with inflation and the inflation of construction costs. Um, you said that's been since what, 1992 was the last time the fuel tax was raised. When was the last time it was put on the ballot? I mean, is that something that generally goes before voters? So the motor fuels tax hasn't really been on the ballot since the late 80s. I think there was an attempt to raise the, the fuel tax then. Um, there have been a couple of, uh, of statewide initiatives to increase MoDOT's revenues either by... The last one that was really significant that that actually did pass was called Amendment 3, and uh, this was in the early 2000s, I believe. Mm -hmm. And what it did was it really, um, it, 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 MoDOT, the um, Highway Patrol, and the Department of Revenue, all three of those agencies were getting funding out of the fuel tax, and it moved some of the funding for the other two agencies out of it. So MoDOT received a higher proportion of the okay, existing so funds. You're not adding any funds to, so to the tax you revenue. You increased taxes. Uh, you moved the other two agencies out of the fuel tax into the general fund, so so they were paid for some other way. Right. So MoDOT got a bump in their funding, and they and they used that to do a... A pretty significant bonding program, and we're able to to leverage that into some really significant investments in the state, including, I mean, part of those funds are what are what paid to replace the Paseo Bridge with the new newish Kit Bond Bridge. Right. Um, there hadn't been anything like that since the since then. So there was an attempt in um, 2014 to raise a to to raise a sales tax for transportation. That was, that was called Amendment 7. It didn't pass. Uh-huh. Um, this was about the time that we were, um, MoDOT and the city were actually looking at doing an environmental study on the on the Broadway Bridge at the time. Um, when Amendment 7 failed, um, MoDOT's revenue estimates led them to really retrench, and they, they were not uh, able to do those kinds of studies, so there was there was a study in the queue to look at a replacement of the bridge then that uh, that got held up. And actually, this this uh, beyond the loop study we're doing now is kind of a successor to that, and it just hmm. took us a while to get that to get that going. But that is kind of like a domino effect, right? Yeah. I mean, you slow one thing down, and then everything gets slowed down, That's and right. and um, you just have this backlog of projects that need to be done. That's right. Um, uh, one thing I, I've talked to some MoDOT officials before, and uh, they seem to indicate that. A lot of people will just say, "Well, why don't we just, you know, turn seventy into a toll road, or turn, you know, Mm -hmm. turn something else into a toll road, or, you know, we'll create a toll here." As I understand, and and from what in conversations with MoDOT officials, those pull terribly, right? I mean, nobody is interested. They don't pull well, and in Missouri, (laughs) since the um, since the nineties, we've had something called the Hancock Amendment that has really set a cap on the kind of revenues that the legislature in Missouri can raise on their own without taking something to a vote of the people. So mm-hmm. um, any significant increase in the fuel tax or sales tax or 
or adding tolls on uh, on 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 state highways requires the legislature to to ask the public to vote on that. And or raising tolls where there are already tolls. I mean, exactly. Well, yeah. and in Missouri, there really aren't very many places that have tolls. Right. There are a few bridges that that are that are still tolled, but um, state highways are not can't can't toll them in Missouri. Right. Yeah, the road themselves. You can toll the bridge, but not the road. <laughs> and so. Um, yeah, so they don't they don't pull well. People don't um, you know willingly want to raise their taxes or or, or pay new new tolls. Which is funny though, because we just struggle. passed an eight hundred million dollar uh, general bond issue or general obligation bond issue it's, here in Kansas City. Yeah, and a lot of other states have passed these things, right. but in Missouri, it's been really uh, difficult to get a get a funding proposal that pleases both the rural and urban parts of the state at the same right. time to to get it passed. From what I understand, it's sort of the bane of the existence of, of MoDOT people trying to figure out how to handle that, yeah. that funding so, issue. So MoDOT has, has been clear for, for years and years that their funding, the, the, the purchasing power, the funds they've got, has been declining, and they're, they're doing the best they can with the revenues they have, but it, 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 it's hard. It, it goes doesn't go as far as it as it used to and it's declining over time the purchasing power of it and that's kind of how you end up with what some would think of as a half measure when it comes to repairing a bridge um well i, I think what it was 40 49 million dollars is what they're looking to put into that i think that's what they've uh, they're, they're proposing that to the commission to go into the state transportation improvement program so that's the number that they're floating around it's in the 50-ish million dollar range for a right. long-term so- Long-term it's not necessarily small potatoes, but no. it's not enough to build a brand new bridge. That's right. I right. think. Um, I mean, we haven't really de- de- developed any detailed cost estimates for new structure yet, but it'll probably be in the in the neighborhood of uh, 150 or million or or higher. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you about something too that kind of sounded like science fiction to me, and I wanted to see how okay. real this thing is. Uh, I don't know. You probably saw this: the Hyperloop from Kansas City yeah. to St. Louis. Uh, how real is that? Hard to say. Um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, obviously they're they're investing some funding in in uh, R and D to develop it. They put they've uh, constructed some test uh, segments of it, but it, there's not an operating hyperloop anywhere in the world right now. So right. it's a uh, it's a hard thing to uh, to predict uh, when and if it might actually materialize here. But they did do a a, a recent kind of call for uh, folks interested in projects and the and one was submitted out of out of Missouri between Kansas City and St. Louis and right. and it made a list mm-hmm. uh, how how quickly that list uh, materializes I don't I don't know. Well, we just got done talking about how the backlog and things kind of slow down yeah. sometimes. So maybe we shouldn't be holding our breath for that. I don't know. I mean there's there's sort of different rules involved with private sector funding for things than for uh, publicly funded stuff. Right. And so Hyperloop is not looking for any as far as I know, not looking for a lot of public uh, support public funding support. Do you know anything about it scientifically that would lead you to believe that it's credible and, and, and possible sometime in the somewhat near future? I mean, I, 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 I'm not an expert on it, but <laughs> right. I think the, you know, the basic technology it uses, I think magnetic levitation and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's in a sealed tube, a sealed environment, you know, presumably it can go pretty, pretty quick. I'm sure there are a lot of other issues involved with it that sure. make it complicated to, to design and and frankly it'll probably be pretty complicated to site mm-hmm. the, the sketches I've seen of it uh, it it's it's above ground and you, you see it you'll have to buy land to put it on and you know it's it's not an easy project right 
So, okay. <laughs> I appreciate you responding on that one. Um, before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask you about uh, anything that you're excited about aside from the bridge projects and the stuff that maybe is a little bit more of a headache. Um, what else is Mark up to and uh, what might people in the Northeast look forward to seeing in terms of Mark-affiliated projects sure. here in the near future? Well, one of the things that we've been um, been working hard on is a, is a project with the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, with Johnson County Transit, with IndyBus, with Kansas City Streetcar, um, looking at kind of a longer-term vision, but then some really nearer-term uh, implementation ideas for how to improve public transportation systems in the in the Kansas City area, and in particular how to uh, use transit to provide better access to jobs in the in the region. And so we've we've developed a, a kind of a set of strategies that uh, look at some new ideas like mobility hubs, where different types of transit and mobility services can come together, uh, where we can provide better information to people about uh, the services themselves and what's what's around the, the, the mobility hub, uh, some new services on uh, high demand corridors, uh, and some of the ones we're looking at include Independence Avenue, um, certainly the Prospect uh, Corridor is, is one that, uh, that the ATA has been working on with the city for quite a while. And that max line that is, max is coming line in. Is, uh, assuming that the federal funds uh, come in place, that's, that's well positioned to get implemented pretty quickly. Um, we're also looking at you know, how we how we develop as a region, and so how, how uh, as we see development and, and redevelopment in different parts of the region, how can we take best advantage of, of that to leverage the transit services that we can provide and use the transit services to leverage the development and redevelopment. Um, we're also looking at new new options for providing uh, mobility, um, including you know things that may be a little farther off, things like driverless uh, vehicles, but also um, some of the services we've we've certainly seen, um, you know, some some good ideas tested out with the Ride KC um, Bridge project that was that was uh, uh, implemented uh, as, a, as kind of a test air project using smaller vehicles, more flexible, uh, demand responsive services, but um, services that uh, beyond just a, a regular fixed route bus, and so. Right, where There's you can a, pick somebody up and then pop over a couple blocks over and, and grab other people yeah. and, and sort of like how ride sharing apps like Uber work where exactly. you go track them where they're at and then drop them all off in a, in a close vicinity. That, that's right. And then also how to integrate things like car sharing and bike sharing and some of the, some of the newer, uh, newer uh, mobility options that we've seen in the region into, into more of a system that, uh, you know, so you can, you can, uh, Take a bus, connect to other uh, other services for the first and last mile of your trip. Looking at ways that we can expand our service to cover more hours—that's one of the bigger issues for job access in the region. And so that's that's something that we'll be out in the community over the next several weeks talking with folks about the the, the uh, kind of both the longer term plans that we have for that, but then also what needs to be implemented in the in the very near term. You mentioned Independence Avenue specifically, mm -hmm. and I know there was talk before about moving streetcar that way, and it didn't get enough traction at that time. Yeah. Um, did Independence Avenue kind of blow their chance to get the streetcar? Is there a chance of that thing coming back in your estimation? I don't think we're done uh, talking about streetcar for right. a while in the in the community. I think um, probably more near term uh, services like Max service probably is 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 more likely. Right. Um, but and Independence it, Max or Independence Avenue Max? Possibly so. Yeah. Um, Independence is a great corridor. It's mm -hmm. got. Um, 
It's got great characteristics in terms of ridership. It's got great uh, uh, development potential along it. Uh, it's it's a it's 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 a corridor that we're taking a hard look at as a as a uh, you know as we as we as we've been developing out the Max corridors. Independence is kind of looking at, at one of the next ones on the list. Okay, so if uh, if I'm a Northeast resident who's interested in making that happen. Um, are there meetings coming up? Are there people that need to be written to? <laughs> um, th- there are meetings coming up. We're, we're going to be announcing those within the next couple of weeks, and, and we'll have them around the region, and we will ha- have uh, meetings in the in the urban core. Folks can come talk to us about what they think is important to, to do near-term and long-term. Excellent. Hey, I appreciate your time. Uh, I, I think I've had all my questions answered, and I appreciate you taking time. Is there anything else you want to get out there to our, our listeners and Great. readers? I, I just I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk with you about some of the work we're doing in transportation. Excellent. Well, hey, thank you, Ron. I appreciate your time, and um, yeah. Great. Thanks, have a great day. That'll do it for our conversation with Ron Acklepool. Stay tuned to City Hall later this week as the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee is set to discuss a resolution authorizing the city manager to look into funding sources, perhaps for the construction of a brand new Buck O'Neill Bridge. That meeting will take place on Thursday, April 20th at 8.45 a.m. This is your host, Paul Thompson, signing out. Thanks again for listening to the Northeast Newscast.